The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Santana makes the catch. The Indians have won the American League pennant. Welcome to another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I am Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com as we kick back and talk about the previous week between the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And of course, we could not do that without our Reds expert, Blake Watson. Blake, how you doing and what's happening in your life today? Not much, Dave. Just trying to get everything ready to head on vacation this weekend. Well... That being said, next Monday night, Blake and I will be taking the night off. As Blake said, he'll be on vacation, and I will be in Chicago to take in the Cubs and Indians game at Wrigley Field. That's going to be fun, Blake. I have been outside of Wrigley Field before, but I've never been inside, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I've never been inside Wrigley either. I've seen the outside of it and, you know, done kind of the outdoor walk around and that's really it. There was no game when I was up there. I was stationed in Chicago for a little while when I was in the Navy. Um, and so I got to see it quite a bit, but never, no games. I was there during the winter, so no baseball games. You know, that's interesting. My, my father, when he was in the Army, was stationed in Chicago, too. So you've got something in, in common with him. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing. I love Chicago, man. It's a cool city. Lots to do. It's a place I couldn't live, but I love to visit. Yeah, did did you spend a lot of time being part of the Navy? Did you spend any time down at the Naval Pier? So I checked it out a few times. Um, the the most time I spent there at Navy Pier was when I was my family was in town visiting. Um, so we were about the the Navy uh, base is about forty minutes north of town, right on the water, um, and. Uh, so we, it, it, it was a little bit of a chore at that point in time. We were all right out of boot camp. Nobody had cars or anything. So we had to taxi into town or take the train. So we didn't go in as much as we probably would have liked, but we got to see quite a bit of Chicago. Yeah, it is a great place to go visit. Um, I know a lot of people really enjoy living there. I'm not sure if I could put up living there. I mean, there's a lot of walking that goes around, around there. If you don't take the L, uh, traffic is abhorrent. I'll tell you, when I left, I had to go up, uh, this past weekend to help my son move, and then I'm going back down, or back up, I guess I should say, this weekend. But I'll, I'll tell you one thing, Blake, when you try to get in or out of Chicago, if there's a traffic jam, you might as well just plan on sitting there for a while. It, it's so funny because my dad was a, was an over the road trucker for a while, and he said he, the two cities that he was that he had the most problem with were Chicago and Houston, Texas. He said the only time to hit either of those cities was at two or three o'clock in the morning. He said any other time you're sitting in traffic. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's amazing. It really is. On there's no good time to get in or out of that city. I thought I had it timed perfectly well, but uh, evidently not. Anyway, so let's get forward. I'll tell you what, it was a pretty successful week for the Reds. Yeah, it really was. Um, you know, the sweep of the of the the Rockies just finishing up yesterday. Um, I think they were they had one loss on the week. I'm not. I'm trying to remember now. Um, 
but overall, they're you know they're back above 500. The the big question mark is you know how long Sonny Gray going to be out? That's that's the big the big problem. Who knows what's gonna what's gonna happen there? Um, but you know these kids that they brought up, Tony Santion, Vladimir Gutierrez, have pitched pretty well. Um, you know they're they're starting to climb out of the doldrums, I guess. They uh got to find a way to beat the Brewers. They did lose two of three to the Brewers. That's right. So they swept the Cardinals, lost two of three to the Brewers, and then swept the Rockies. So it's, it's, it's been a solid little run for the Reds, man. Or, you know, and they're still quite a bit injured. It's good to see Joey Votto come off the DL and hit. Um, a. Eugenio Suarez is starting to hit a little bit. He's got that bad cut on his finger, and it looks like it's slowing him down a little bit because he's not over swinging. He's putting a lot more balls in play, not striking out as much. You know, his, his average is starting to climb, obviously, slowly, but his, when it's as low as it is, it's, it, it, anything is up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're, they they still got to figure out the bullpen. It's just, it is what it is. Close games become blowouts because the bullpen's terrible. Um, all in all, it was a positive week, and they're, they're headed in the right direction. Well, like you said, the Reds, over their last 10 games, they finished up 8-2, and two, but Milwaukee, the team that the Reds are going to take on tonight in Wisconsin, they finished up 9-1 and one over the, the previous 10 games. They've won four in a row. The Reds won three in a row. The Cubs would have had a really bad week, Blake, if it hadn't have been for the fact that they won their last five of their last 10 um, in a row. So they ended up the week six and four. So Milwaukee and Chicago still in a dead heat for first place at 38-27. and 27. But like you said, the Reds are banging at the door. They're five games out at 32-31. and 31. They're finally over that 500 spot. Yeah, and, and this is, you know, we talk about this almost every week, this division, uh, no team's going to run and hide. I think the Brewers at this point have the best pitching staff. The Reds clearly have the two best offensive players, probably, arguably, in the National League. Um, both, you know, Castellanos and Winker should be all-stars. Um I mean, I, I, you can't name a better one-two punch in baseball right now from the offensive side than those two guys. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's going to be kind of w- what wins, right? The Cubs got off to a really good start. Um, they're coming back to earth a little bit, like you said, you know, just six and four over the last ten, which is fine. But when the two teams behind you are winning at an 800 and a 900 clip over the last week, you're going to lose some ground. Um, the Cardinals are starting to falter. The thing about the Reds, man, is they're doing this, and they're just not healthy either, which is what's crazy. If they can get healthy, man, I still think this team, if they could find a way to add a bullpen arm, and I think, I don't know if we're going to talk about it or not, but I think that bullpen arm might be on the way in the in the form of a guy they just promoted to AAA. Um, yeah. That, that, that's a, that's a big thing to keep an eye on, the, the promotion of Hunter Green. Uh, and, you know, I think that Sonny Gray gets back. Do you move Gutierrez or Santiago to the bullpen? Um, I don't know, Blake. It, it, I, I, we might as well get into it right now. I think if you're going to bring up Hunter Green at this point in time, I think you start him out in the bullpen. Let, let him work I, his I 100% agree. I 100% agree with that. Like, uh, I was actually having a good conversation about this earlier today with my uncle, who's a, who's a big Reds fan as well. And we were talking about Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green, who are both been absolutely lights out in the minor leagues right now. 
Um, so my, my, my thought process is, is if you need a starter, it's Lodolo. If you need a bullpen arm, which they need, it's Green. I mean, he has the kind of devastating power stuff that at the back end of a game is absolutely dominant. He's got the ability now. You throw a 102, I don't care who you are. Eventually, it's going to get hit. So he might give up some solo home runs. But if you throw 102, you're not going to give up six, seven hits in a row and give up four runs. Like, it's going to be – he's going to give up big flies, but he's not going to be hit around. As long as his command is good, he is. He could be a very, very big weapon for that team in the bullpen. Yeah, and when I look at him, Blake, when I look at Hunter Green, I think he's the type of guy that you could you could go two innings with him. You don't have to go one. You can go two innings with him because he's been stretched out in the minor league system. And, and just, you know, through the rest of the season, go ahead and throw him out of the bullpen. You can always start him next year if he does a pretty good job this year. You, that way you don't blow his confidence all in one season. I, I, yeah, I 100% agree with that. I think they need the only thing they need to do if they're going to do that is avoid the mistake they made with Aroldis Chapman and allowing him to dictate that he stayed in the bullpen. Aroldis Chapman should have become a starter. Um, it's just, you know, you, you want a guy throwing 200 innings or do you want a guy throwing 60 or 70 innings? And especially with Chapman towards the end of his Reds tenure, they weren't very good. So what what benefit is a, 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 the best closer in baseball anyway, right? right? So I don't care how good Hunter Green is in the bullpen. Eventually he has to be a starter. He's got a chance to be, you know, a Scherzer-level type guy with the dominating power stuff. Maybe not that good, but he's got that kind of stuff. He's got a plus-plus uh, breaking ball that he's finally starting to figure out how to throw for strikes. I read an article the other day about Hunter Green. It was Derek Johnson, Tucker Barnhart talking about him. And they were talking about the work he did last year at the alternate site after he finally was cleared to throw um, from the Tommy John surgery. And he was cleared to throw, and it was he wasn't really like doing much mound work because he was coming back from Tommy John. But then getting the, the big league coaches being 30 minutes away and getting to go up on a relatively regular basis and work with Hunter Green up in Mason at Prasco Park was apparently – Kind of one of those lights go off kind of things, similar to what they said about Jonathan India in the in the um, in the in during spring training. Is that the work at the alternate site last year was big for those guys having big league ability? The Reds have also often left dudes in the minors for too long, um, trying to trying to control that clock, which I get um, that you know the arbitration clock and all that stuff, but. If they're if they think they can compete this year, which outside of their bullpen they have the ability to compete for a playoff spot, they are playoff level offensively, and maybe not World Series good in the rotation. They're definitely good enough to get to the playoffs. There are teams in the playoff hunt with worse rotations than the Reds have, especially when Gray is healthy. Um, so I think that if he can be that weapon for you, I think that's a no-brainer. Just bring him up or let him figure it out at the big league level. If he can get dudes out of AAA and AA at a dominant level the way he's done so far this year, then he can get dudes out at the major league level. Yeah, and let's just see what he can do. Let's ease his way into the majors, and, and it'll help the Reds in, in, in a two-fold capacity. It'll give them some some 
an arm that they can use out of the bullpen on probably a consistent basis, and then it gives them an opportunity to wean him into the major leagues and get him ready for next year as a possible starting pitcher. Now, that being said, the Indians, although I, I thought they had a successful week, um, they ended up six and four, which, okay, I'm happy with that. If you, if you, you know, you gotta go week by week, series by series in Major League Baseball. Blake, am I, am I right or wrong? Because, you know, it, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And if you pick up a game or two over 500 each and every week, then by the end of the year, you're gonna end up about 20 games over 500, and that's a good way to pick up a playoff berth. Absolutely. You, you know, if you think of 162 games, if you were to divide that by three, it's how many series, right? Yeah. That's, that's the way I look at it. If you can win two-thirds to a little more than two-thirds of your series, you're a playoff-caliber team. Um, you, you sprinkle in a sweep here and there. You, you know, you, you take one of two in, in series where you're like with the Reds against the Brewers this week. They had a rough week. They still got one game. So, like you said, they're eight and two over their last ten. That's that's a recipe for a playoff caliber record at the end of the year. Um, you got to avoid the long stretches of bad uh, of bad baseball. And if you can do that and maximize your good stretches, that's how it works, right? Yep. Baseball is a game of streaks for sure. I don't care, you know, from from Tony Gwynn to the to. I, the worst hitter you've ever seen. They still go through ups and downs, and so do teams. You got to maximize your 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 ups and minimize your downs, and that's how it works. So I think you know, and that's why starting pitching so important because when you're down, a stud starter can get you back going right now. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you in, in the fact that you know you play it series by series, week by week, um, and, and see where you stack up at the end of the year. Well, and what's what's interesting is also Blake, and, and uh, this will probably be the last week that I'm able to bash Jake Bowers, but Bobby Bradley has come up and really been a godsend, along with Bradley Zimmer, for this Indians team. Uh, Bradley has come in and just done an outstanding job for the Indians. Hit another home run the other day. He's got two in his first full time uh, work at first base for the Indians over the week. He's also got several extra base hits. He's already got six RBIs uh, in one week, and he's solidified right now the number five position in the batting order, which is what the Indians needed, and he's played some good first base. But the big thing has also been Bradley Zimmer out in center field. The Indians have not had a center fielder all season long. Yeah, they've had guys that they've put out there in Luplo and Rosario and Ramirez, they've, they've stuck them out there in center field, but those guys are not true center fielders. Zimmer is a true center fielder, has all the speed in the world, 6-4. Three years ago, he was a prime candidate to be the next superstar for the Indians, and then injuries hit him, and he spent the last couple of years not only at the, uh, the minor league site last year due to COVID, but this year. But he's come up, He's hitting 260, which is all we want him to hit, and play good defensive center field. Well, he's been great out in center field. And all this stuff, especially since Reyes is on the disabled list, has helped the Indians stay in that position where right now they're only a game and a half out of a wild card berth, 
and five and a half games behind the Chicago White Sox at 34 and 28. Now, if you'd have asked me if I would take that by the July 4th weekend, Blake, I'd say, hell yes. I would have taken that out of this Indians team because I didn't know where in the world they were going to get any type of offensive production on this team. And they are playing some good baseball. Are they a great team? No. I'm not going to lie to anybody. They're not a great team. But on Friday night when Seattle came to town with their brand new, not a first baseman, but a right fielder on Friday night, Jake Bowers, and he came up in the fourth inning with the bases loaded and struck out looking, it made everybody understand why he is now in Seattle and not in Cleveland. Yeah, but go, go back to Bradley Zimmer, man. You know who he reminds me a lot of is a guy that plays for the Reds probably early 2000s. He reminds me a lot of Drew Stubbs, just a really good player. Uh, and I don't know that he'll ever hit to the level that, you know, people might have thought he would, similar to what Stubbs didn't, but he's a plus-plus defensive outfielder, can steal a base, can absolutely fly. Um, and he gives you enough offensively to where it's okay, and you live with it because his defense and his, his base running ability is so good. Um, so I, I really like the addition of Bradley Zimmer to that team. Hopefully he hits enough to stick. Yeah. I know yeah. He's around 260 now, um, but hopefully he hits it well enough to stay up there and, and provide them that lift in center field. I know you're really happy that Jake Bowers struck out. That That's funny. <laughs> I just... That, that's that's probably going to be my last vent on Jake Bowers throughout the rest of the year. I'm a, I'm actually I'm going to be honest with you. I'm surprised anybody picked him up. I really. Uh, am. I'm not. It's it's baseball, man. There's not enough guys that can play at that level to where people still try, and they always try reclamation projects, as you know. Um, so it, it doesn't surprise me at all that he got a shot. Um, it'll surprise me if he ends the year with Seattle, but. Um, he'll continue to get an opportunity for probably the next couple of years, whether that's spring training invites, minor league contracts, things like that. But the days of you hearing about Jake Bowers as a big league prospect are probably over. Well, and here's here's another thing too that I'm this Harold Ramirez that they picked up from Miami. Um, I, I mean, he fell out out of good graces with the Marlins because of a numbers game, but he started out the year Blake. He was their cleanup hitter, and then he got injured. They, they came across a couple other players that they decided they wanted to look at, and Don Mattingly really wasn't in love with Harold Ramirez. The Indians pick him up on the waiver wire, stick him in a right field, and Blake, i got to be honest with you, and I'm not exaggerating on this, I have not seen this guy hit a soft ball yet. I mean, everything he hits is a loud, if he makes an out, and when he does, it's a loud out. He's either line driving it at somebody, or it's a scorcher that somebody has made a good play on. Now I know there's been there's been times where he's struck out, but when he makes contact with the ball, it is a hard hit baseball, and he has become a tough out in this Indians lineup also. And I I'm really excited about him and the prospects that he brings to this team. You know, it would be nice though for the Indians if they had a guy that was a. Uh that, you know, we talk about, um, Zimmer in, um, in center field. They had a guy, you know, that was hitting 270 with 11 home runs and almost 50 RBIs. A guy named Tyler Naquin. I don't know if you heard of him or not. Oh, um, 
he used to play for them, and they let him go, and now he's playing really well for the Reds. And I will admit, I'm, I was wrong. I did not think he would stick. I did not think he'd have the ability really to help this team this year, and I was flat out wrong. I still don't think he can really play center field every day. I don't. Um, he's their best. He's their best option, and he's obviously not going to supplant either of the corner guys. But he is definitely their best option in center field right now. And who told you? He will be an integral part of the, your team this year. You are dead on. Like I said, I will admit I was wrong. But he has been really, really good for the Reds, man. He's got great hands. Really quick bat. I, yeah. I really like Tyler Naquin. I always liked him when he was with the Indians. But I, I, I'm now watching him every day. I really like watching him play. Yeah, I mean, he's he's the type of guy that, that he's not going to be a superstar. He's not a great player, great, great player. But he's one of those guys that when you put him on your team, he just seems to make everything better. And with the Indians, he started out as a center fielder, and then he had the knee injury. He's not going to be a center fielder anymore. He's a corner guy, just like you said. But, you know, two years ago, Blake, he led the American League, and this is pre-COVID, but he led the American League in assists from the outfield. And, I mean, he's got a heck of an arm. And he plays a great defensive right field. Like you said, he's adequate enough in center field, but he's not an everyday center fielder anymore. No. Uh, and it's crazy to look at it. On a team with Castellanos and Winker, who actually I just saw, are, are number two and number three in the, in the National League in, in outfield, all, all star voting up until this point. Um, he's leading the team in RBI. Like, he, he he's doing a great job. I mean, he's hitting 262, 11 home runs, and 41 RBIs. So, on a team with Cassianos and Winker, he's driving those guys in, and that's really, really important um, to have a, another guy behind them that can produce runs. Time it's also out. really good. You see um, Votto coming back off the DL and him hitting. He's driven in runs in five consecutive games since he come back from the DL. It's the first time he's done that in almost four years. Um, if he swings the back the way he's swinging it, you get Moustakis back. That's a problem that I think the Reds are going to have to figure out how they're going to address. I don't know as much as he's been back at third base if you can move Suarez back to shortstop when Moustakis gets healthy, um, which is apparently really soon. There was talk about him joining them on this road trip at some point. Um, I know he was working out pregame the other day, looked pretty good. Um, so if Mustakis comes back and hits, man, this this offense has got a chance to really take off, and it's been pretty good. Well, do you take the chance and move Suarez back to short? I, I mean, I think you have to because I just don't know. I just don't know what else you do. Who do you sit? Do you sit Votto? Do you sit India? Do you sit Suarez? Yeah, you, sit, um, you have to sit Farmer. Farmer is a very – he's become a pretty good defensive shortstop. He doesn't hit much. Um, I love Kyle Farmer. I think he's a really important player to good baseball teams because he can play all over the diamond. He can even catch. Um, and I think you're much better defensively with Farmer out there, but I just don't know which bat you take out of lineup. I think if it's me running the Reds, it becomes one of those things where – you know, I have these five guys, and of the five, four are going to play every day, and every day it's going to be a little different. Um, maybe Votto gets a couple of days off a week. Moustakis gets a couple of days off a week. 
Suarez gets a couple days off a week, and that's not counting when Senzel comes back because he can. He he had started to work back into the infield rotation because David Bell didn't want to lose Tyler Naquin's bat. Um, so it, it's it's a good problem to have, but it's definitely a problem for the Reds going forward. And I actually think it's even worse than that because while Votto was on the shelf, he didn't play very good defensively. But Tyler Stevenson being in the lineup helps this team. And when he's not catching, playing some first base to get his bat in the lineup it is a is a helpful. The guy really hit while Votto was gone. Um, and I think that that kid, big young kid, he's got a chance to be a pretty good player at the big league level. Um, so you got to find a way to get him at bats too. And Tucker's so good defensively, you don't want to just not put him back there. I mean, guys absolutely love throwing to Tucker Barnhart. Um, so it's, it's going to be some serious juggling going down the road. The problem then becomes, do you trust David Bell to be the guy to make those decisions? And more and more, I say no. Blake, you know, I, I got to ask this question because the Indians brought up a reliever by the name of Blake Parker uh, over the past week, and uh, he's been the type of guy that's been a relief pitcher. He's been he's bounced around from some major league teams, much as Nick Sandlin had done, you know, Oliver Perez had done, and and other relievers that the Indians have had that they picked up off the waiver wire. What I guess the way to ask this is. Why are the Indians able to pull guys off the waiver wire and use them effectively out of the bullpen? And the Reds, when it seems like they pick up somebody off the waiver wire, they find out very quickly why these guys were let go. I I really don't know what it is. I I think part of it is the the mentality of pitching in that ballpark. because it's so easy to give up home runs down on a river, that great American. I think that's part of it. I think another part of it is the dudes they just pick up aren't that good. Um, they pick up guys that, you know, haven't been good in some time. And obviously, typically there's a reason dudes are on the waiver wire, right? Like uh, a guy that gets cut from somewhere, there's a reason he gets cut. Typically it ain't because he's making too much money. Um and I think the Indians have, have gotten lucky with some of those guys. And I think, you know, we talk about it all the time. I think their system of putting pitchers in the right position, um, it just works. And they've figured out a way to do it, and they do a really good job of it. I, I really don't have an explanation for it. I mean, here's a guy right now in Brian Shaw that had a rough few years in Colorado, had a good career with Cleveland as a setup guy. He's normally your seventh or eighth inning guy. He's not going to be a closer, but he's a guy that can bridge the gap to that area. And had a had a rough time in Colorado, came back to Cleveland, and again, Blake, he's moved right into that seventh and eighth inning role for the Indians like he had never left, and he just, just continues to get people out. And that's a guy that was on the open market that the Reds could have picked up right there, and he would have been a very welcome addition to the Reds pitching staff right now. Well, so would just about anybody. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I read a stat the other day that the Reds have by far the worst bullpen ERA in baseball. I think it's upwards of five. Um, and that is with TJ Antone being absolutely dominant. 
Um, and then when they put him on the disabled list, if you take out his numbers, their team, their bullpen ERA jumps more than a full run. It's almost seven without TJ Anton's ERA. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. So I, I think they need to try literally anybody that can throw it overhand in the bullpen. I don't care who it is. Uh, and I mean, find knuckleballers. Find, I don't care who it is. Find kids that throw hard in the fast pitch machine at the stadium. I don't care. Just find somebody. It's crazy. Well, and, and, and that's something that I, I think has to be addressed to the, the uh, Reds front offices and, and maybe even their scouting department because they are particularly unable to bring in relief pitchers and it's been, it's been a, not just a problem this year, Blake, but it's been a problem over the previous probably four or five years. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it, the problem is they never find guys that are suited for particular roles. Um, I think Lucas Sims is a pretty good relief pitcher. Yeah. But he doesn't really fit any of the traditional um, bullpen roles. He's not really a uh, a late-innings guy because he's, he's, his stuff's more starter stuff. Um, so he's more of a long guy. Um, same thing with Antone. I mean, he's capable of being a late-inning guy, but he's not really – um, they thought Garrett would be that guy. I think that guy is probably going to be Michael Lorenzen after the All-Star break when he comes back. Um, you know, he's always kind of had that mentality. And I, that's kind of what I, uh, I think is it, it, a lot of the bullpen guys for the Reds is the mentality stuff. You don't have many of those guys that are, you know, remember the old Fernando Rodney shooting the arrow after he strikes somebody out or, you know what I mean? Just kind of a, kind of a bit of a asshole at the end of the bullpen it just doesn't care it's just out there to get dudes out yeah um that relishes the opportunity to be the man on the on the bump with the ball in his hand and, and you know an opportunity to win or lose the game and those guys just shrink in those moments so they haven't they don't find those dudes blake you brought up michael lorenzen and that's an interesting conversation maybe not for this show but down the road but when lorenzen comes back you know, his his big thing has been he wants to play in the field and he wants to hit. And that's always been his biggest gripe is that he's constantly pushing to be put out in the field. This is not a team, Blake, right now in my opinion, that the Reds need this type of guy coming in and causing waves over being able to play defense and going out and being a hitter. They need him to come in and just concentrate on pitching. A hundred percent. I think he will. Uh... I think he's done less of that the last couple years, um, most more last year than before because he started to move towards a starting role. And obviously, if you're a starting pitcher in the National League with no DH, you know Shohei Otani can do it because they designated hit him. Right? They don't. He doesn't play the field very often. I mean, he's capable of it, but he doesn't. Um, if they had the DH, maybe. But you know, who, who would you rather DH, Michael Lorenzen or? Jesse Winker, like it just doesn't yeah. even make sense. Um, that being said, if Senzel's not on this team, if he's still hurt, Michael Lorenzen's their best outfielder. It's not even close. Um, so if it's a late inning substitution, play defense in center field, especially with the opportunity to throw somebody out, I'm all for him getting an opportunity to play defense, hitting whatever. He hit really good the one year, um, and he's—I mean—he's obviously a better offensive player. 
than most pitchers, but he's not what he. I mean, if he if he dedicated himself to it, I think he could be a two way guy. But he, he, at this point, he's a pitcher and he needs to stick with it. Well, before we sign off on this week's show, I want to pass along. I'm not sure how many people you you probably don't uh, remember this name, Blake, but it, former major leaguer Jim Mudcat Grant. Uh, passed away in his sleep over the weekend, 85 years old. He was a former Indians pitcher, a former Indians broadcaster. He never played in the Negro Leagues, Blake, but he was a tremendous supporter of the Negro League Baseball Museum in Kansas City. He was always in attendance and always at the Hall of Fame ceremony honoring former major leaguers who had the same passion on the field as he did for the Negro Leaguers, and he was also a, a great singer. Um, he was had a very southern, soft draw, Blake, and when you heard him call a baseball game, it was a lot of fun. He only did it for a couple of years, and that was on TV, and he was a lot of fun not only to be around. I did have the opportunity to meet him at one time up at Old Municipal Stadium, such a pleasant guy to talk to, and he would talk to you. His, his passion was talking to you about how baseball just kind of went hand-in-hand hand with life. And he wrote a poem a long time ago about how baseball was a game of life. And it's a beautiful poem. If you get a chance to Google it, go ahead and do it. I'm not going to read it on the air. It is, it is rather long, but... He was just one of those guys that was a good ambassador for baseball. Jim Mudcat Grant, gone at the age of 88, or 85, excuse me. Blake, this is going to be one of those weeks for both teams. The Reds have got Milwaukee, and then they go on the road to San Diego. And I think it's, it's imperative that the Reds continue to play their best baseball now as they have over the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I think, you know, again, we get lucky with Milwaukee. We miss both Burns and Woodruff, um, so that helps. But that we missed them the both the other two series as well, and that didn't bode well for them. I think the Reds are one and five against the Brewers at this point. Um, might have even played another three games that I don't remember. One and five in the last six games that they played against Milwaukee. Um, <clears throat> now the first first three of that they were playing really bad at the time. It was the the height of the bullpen being terrible. Um, I think San Diego's struggling a little bit. I mean, it's crazy to think that the Giants are leading the NL West right now. Um, with the Dodgers and Padres out there, and the Giants are the ones leading it. With basically an all-ex-Cincinnati Reds starting rotation, and Kevin Gosman, who pitched for the Reds for a year, um, and Vinny Clafani, who's out there, is being lights out, and obviously Johnny Cueto. Um yeah. But so the Padres are down a little bit right now, so hopefully that'll bode well for the Reds. But as you know, any team from this part of the country that goes west never really does well. Um, so we'll see where where that ends up. I'm, I don't remember the third stop on this trip. Um, I don't know. It's bug. That's escaping me. On this, this point, I know it's a, a nine game trip for the Reds, and I don't remember the third stop for them. They're going to be in Minnesota. That's what it was. I knew it was somebody that wasn't a National League team. Um, being in Minnesota helps the Reds because then Winker or Cassianos can DH. Um, but, yeah, I think that, you know, you look at every road trip, especially these long ones, 
you come back, it's a nine game trip. You come back five and four, four and five, you're okay. Um, obviously, you know, seven and two would be great. Um, but five and four, six and three is where I really think they need to be at the end of this road trip. Well, and the Indians, now they, they have four games at home against Baltimore. And then they go on the road to play Pittsburgh. So their next seven games are, are against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Am I out of the realm of reality here in saying that the Indians, best case scenario is they win all seven, but I think the worst case scenario is they've got to win three, three out of four against Baltimore and two out of three against Pittsburgh and come back after the seven game stretch into next Monday with a record of at least five and two over the week. Yeah, I think five and two is, is what you need to, Anything worse than five and two, and you should be disappointed in the week. Yeah. Um, because you you know obviously two opposite ends of the spectrum. The Reds are getting ready to play two of the best teams in baseball, and the Indians are getting ready to play two of the worst teams in baseball. So you want to to definitely this is one of those spots where we talked about. You look at a series at a time, week at a time. This is a week where you can make some hay. Hopefully the White Sox drop a couple games. And then you, you, you pick up a couple here and there. Um, I think it's a good spot for the Indians. Like I said, five and two would be fine. Anything worse than that, I'd be disappointed. Yeah, I, I would be too. As Terry Francona always says, well, we can't look at the, the people in front of us, even though the Indians have 31 games over the next 30 days. What they've got to do is take it day by day and series by series. That's the only thing that you can do during a Major League Baseball season. Blake? It's going to be interesting. Now, like I said, we will be off next Monday night. Blake's on vacation. I'll be in Chicago, so you might as well say I'm on vacation. We will be back then on the Monday night, June 28th, to talk to you then, if that's all right with you, Blake. Works for me, buddy. All right. Have a good vacation, Blake. We'll talk to you then on the 28th. All right. That's going to do it for us here this evening. Don't forget, we'll be back on June 28th, 7 o'clock, here on UltimateSportsTalk.com with another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Until then, for Blake Watson, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good couple of weeks, everybody.